Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. Episode of the Ever Black Podcast is brought to you by Death Wish Hot Rods and Customs. Check out their Instagram for all their new t-shirts, caps, beanies, cups, and the all-new Atomic Death lineup. Hey man, it's been a little while since we've spoken. We said we did it the old way, you know, with the old telephone, and now right. technology's made the jump, and uh, here we are. Yeah, well, it fits perfect to this album's topic, you know, cyberpunk and sci-fi and all that stuff. <laughs> exactly what I was uh, leading into, but uh, mate, thanks for joining us on the show again. It's a, it's well, it's good to see you. Is what I was getting at. Yeah, my pleasure. Likewise, man. <laughs> Awesome, mate. Awesome. Well, of course, uh, the new Beast in Black album, Dark Connection, is out this week on October 29. And uh, it's fun, over-the-top, uh, cyberpunk adventure. And, you know, I've got to say, man, you know, over the last 18 months, things have been pretty hectic. And this one seems to bring the fun back. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of albums are coming out, and they're a little gloomy, a little sad, which is understandable. But this one seems to be bringing that fun back was that the plan was that what you were channeling to for the future oh well actually the songs were already mostly chosen before the pandemic kicked in so the musical content wouldn't have changed and the lyrics actually also didn't uh, deal with any of the pandemic and stuff because our like generally what we want to give with Beast in Black is kind of escapism, like give the people a moment, uh, give a breather, you know, for the amount of time while they listen to the songs and the album. Like, you know, we don't want to remind them about the existence of COVID and pandemic and other like these things. Of course, we want to write lyrics and we do like something that, is strong and meaningful or exciting and somehow resonates in the listener in some level. But the, le- the last thing we wanted to do is de- definitely like to remind about this COVID, you know, I remember when the pandemic started, so many artists made a notion about that in their albums or songs. Yes. When they yes. put out. I, I was thinking that, Hey, it's going to wear itself out really fast. So we definitely, even though we didn't have any plans uh i mean even though, though the songs were ready before the pandemic except for the lyrics mm. even so I, I thought well we're not gonna go that direction it's like not a good idea yeah i was thinking about the other day it's like all these all these albums that are influenced by this time period you know fast forward 10 20 years it's going to be like that time stamp and it makes me wonder if it's going to be, you know, if it's going to age those albums, age, you know what I mean? Like it's going to have that dark cloud over them where I think, 
albums like like this one, it's at a it's set in its own world. It's it's own concept. It's it's away from the doom and the gloom. You know, will that yeah. sort of help it sort of stand that test of time? If you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you mean, and that's how I also think that you know that piece of art, whether it's a song or a movie or a book or a painting, you know, it should be able to stand on its own, no matter what the decade or century it is. That's how any form of art should like work. And of course, each piece of art is uh, affected by the surroundings and the time where you live in. But it doesn't mean that you always have to copy your exact surroundings into mm. your art. It's just like what happens kind of naturally and instinctively. That's you right. Know, if we make sci-fi album or, or a cyberpunk album, and if there are like futuristic vehicles, cars or something like that, you know, probably there wouldn't have been any like cars if I would be living in medieval times. But it's just something, well, it's everyone can relate to cars, but it doesn't mean I'm putting cars into the music videos or the stories to underline that, yeah, we are now living in 2020 and we have this type of car models or something. It just happens kind of instinctively, you know. But the story is what matters the most. You know, you have to have the characters that somehow resonate in you to whom, to whom you can relate to or somehow feel fascinating to you. And then you can just choose what kind of backdrop you make for those characters. Mm. You know, cyberpunk is one kind of a backdrop. Like this album is just serving as a kind of retro futuristic backdrop for the characters' stories that are in it. You know, in the end, even the Moonlight Rendezvous, the first single, it's about human and robot facing a human, like and the relationship connection between them. Yeah, she's a human and robot because we are in a fictional like future, like hundreds of years uh, from now on but that's not the point the point is that song is about the feelings the emotions between them and that is to to what people can maybe hopefully relate to and resonate with so everything outside that is just that carpet or the backdrop you know that's it no that's right you know it could be anywhere it's the but yeah. that's what you've chosen to to set the uh, theme around, which I, yeah. I I absolutely love, mate. If you could see this room, I'm all about that shit. <laughs> I'm all about the, hey, man, you know, nerdy metal stuff goes together. But, uh, mate, yeah. I'm, I'm a massive Blade Runner fan, and, I, I, you know, I haven't played the cyberpunk game that everyone was talking about because I can't do first person. But, man, I hear it's awesome. So, I haven't played it either. I'm too old school. Like, I play the Nintendo and Sega games, like, yeah, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. But I love the world. I love, I love the the look of it. I love, you know, the escapism of it. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome, and you know, and it's different for you guys too. And I, I is it something you want to do? You know, moving forward, do you want to explore more of that world? Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be more of this sci-fi, cyberpunk stuff in the future. I don't know. Will it be to the same extent like it was on this album? or even maybe more, I can't say, but I do have a concept, a one concept idea for the fourth album already. And like cyberpunk themed songs would also connect to that concept really nicely, but I don't want to reveal that concept yet. You know, we haven't, oh, even, released, okay. we haven't, we haven't even released this third <laughs> album. I already 
have this fourth album like one of the possible concepts in mind but let's see what happens you know it has to brew in my mind and i have to write some songs and lyrics and select some songs which have been waiting for years and years to be recorded and released but as you can see there's so much always going on like from the artistic side of things you know as long as you are hungry for what you do and when you love what you do and you can keep things interesting for yourself and that's good thing and that will hopefully also reach the fans that kind of uh, caring and enthusiasm for your own thing because when people see that hey this band they care what they do they can also appreciate more than what we do but if they see that the band is just going through the motions and playing by the safe numbers i think they can feel it they can sense it absolutely and so i believe that you have to wholeheartedly like plunge into this thing what you do and then people will they notice it like on really like maybe instinctive level and even from live shows actually that's something that we've heard a lot since the beginning that even though the songs can be uh, dark or, or like the lyrics can be really dark but you know when we play the song live like the fifth angel it's a really dark lyric but the song is powerful uplifting and we always enjoy playing any song and smile and people are telling you smile so much on stage and like well yeah because it feels like it and, and then they give that same energy back to us and and when we lose that hopefully never but when we or if we lose that that's the moment when we have to stop because we don't want to do things like by force you know it yeah. has to be real you know and it's genuine and that is it is something that i i definitely get from you guys it's it's genuine a genuine love for what you do and and the concepts and everything you put behind it, it's it's all there you know, yeah, yeah. and and I feel it with this album. I hear it with this album. I mean, the video clips alone, holy shit, dude! Like, you could have just gone, eh, we'll just be in a warehouse, like playing along to the song. But no, you went all out, and you've made these two video clips that are just absolutely mind blowing. Like they're like mini movies, and they're totally different from each other. You know, one's animated, and one's like this full story. And I want more of it. Like, well, I, I, man, it's incredible. Wait until you see the third music video. It's coming out. What is it? You'll see. Oh, quite come on, mate. Give me a little hint. Yeah. Well, <laughs> next week. Oh, next, next week. week. Next week. Awesome. I'm yeah. hanging for it. But, you know, it's is it something you want to maybe explore, you know, with visually? Would you would you think about, you know, making a, a series or, or something like that? Uh, perhaps. Uh, it's all coming from my uh, uh, this kind of what's the word enthusiasm towards films. I'm a really like film fanatic, movie fan, mostly of the old films because they were braver. That there was more room for original stories, but nowadays the films are just based on already existing brands which are easy to market and sell but back in the 90s and 80s they those were the decades and the 70s those were the decades when they created those original stories which then turned into big brands and now we're living in an age where the film companies 
and Netflix and all these other like uh, are afraid to kind of be courageous, you know, okay, let's not always play by the numbers and be safe. Like I'm, I'm kind of fed, fed up with that. And, and with Beast in Black making these music videos, it's kind of a showing uh, like, you know, Blade Runner is totally unfamiliar for newer generation, generation fans. We have lots of like teenage uh, listeners as well. We have old people and teenagers, but they are not aware of Blade Runner maybe at all. And maybe when they see from comments, what, what is this Blade Runner when people speak, they go and find it out and then they check it out. Maybe they like it, maybe they don't, but at least I'm happy if people become more aware and start to develop a liking towards these more original stories where they came from instead of just yeah. automatically going to see that. 10th or 20th Batman or Spider-Man movie like you can I, enjoy those as well but like instead yeah, of like yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of like going like this you know towards one you broaden the horizon a little bit you can check those Spider-Man movies if you want but hey look around a little bit more that's kind of yeah and and I want to like kind of incorporate that kind of aspect of my uh passion towards movies into Beast in Black's creations, like the uh, promo pictures, the song lyrics, stories, music videos, and all that. Like mo Movies are a big influence, and books as well. What's your... what's Okay, so in saying that, what's your top, say, three movies from, you know, all time? Uh, well, maybe you won't believe it, but Titanic by James Cameron. Hey, man, Jim Cameron. Yeah, he's my like all-time favorite uh, director and writer. And Jurassic Park is another one, the first one. And I would say again that probably Terminator. So two films from Jim and one from Steven Spielberg. But I love Alien, the first one from '79, and the sequel, which yeah. is also done by Jim Cameron. So. And Paul Verhoeven's first film, Flesh and Blood, you know, it was total like a box office bomb. It was his first uh, American movie, like first Hollywood production, and it failed miserably. Not because it's a bad movie, but it was something that it was too much for American audiences to digest. I've never seen it. That's a okay, deep cut. That's a deep cut, brother. I'm gonna go, I'm yeah. check that out. Go check it out. You know, Paul Verhoeven, Flesh and Blood. Actually, the movie is written like flesh plus blood, like the plus symbol. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it has uh, Rutger Hauer in the leading role. Great actor. I I love that actor. And so, yeah. And there are so many great films, but they're Titanic, Jurassic Park, Terminator. I think that those could be at least the two first ones stay, but the third film that might change depending on my mood, but Titanic has always been number one for me. <laughs> See, it's, you know, I, I can always rattle off mine. Mine's like uh, uh, Donnie Darko is my favorite movie of all time, funny enough. And yeah. then Lost Highway by David Lynch. Uh, okay. Evil Dead 2. Man. You know, and there's 86 Transformers movie. Okay, yeah, I have seen, yeah. Man. yeah the animation. Yeah. yeah, and Empire Strikes Back. I mean, you gotta 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love also the earlier Star Wars, the first three films, and and John Carpenter's uh, Big Trouble in Little China. It wasn't a big success for that. Maybe it's because I watched it first when I was a small kid and kind of (laughs) developed a liking to it, and still I like that movie a lot. It's fun to watch. I've, I've, man, I, I love that movie. I haven't seen it in a very long time, and I think I'm going to revisit it along with a couple yeah. of other John Carpenter yeah. uh, classics. Yeah, a couple I haven't seen as well, but uh, you know, hey, that's that's what it's all about. Hey, like still yeah. discovering some of that stuff. You got to show the young kids. You got to show the young kids, and it all links. You're right. It does go back to it because they will discover. Winging it back to to music, you know. I, I like that about when you, you, you hear a band, they go, oh, what are they? They're singing about something here. And then you find out it's a book or you find out it's a, you know, a movie. And then you follow that rabbit hole. There's been tons yeah. of, I'm thinking right now, but there's been tons of bands where I've discovered heaps of shit that way. And I love it. And I think yeah. you're going to find that too with Blade Runner. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. All about it. All about it. But this is album number three for you guys. So I was, you know, and and the cyberpunk com- concept. Obviously, we're talking about movies and stuff. But was there one thing that sparked that? Was it? Were you just sort of, you know, late at night? And you woke up and you're like, "I've got it. I've got the concept." Well, I uh, I think that the first I actually can't remember the exact day date. Why did I think about it? It somehow gradually kind of came back to me, you know, because with my previous band, Battle Beast, I wrote three first albums and the two first ones were influenced by cyberpunk. So to me, it was kind of a return to the beginning to continue from where I left, you know, and somehow it just came like naturally and like smoothly into the picture. But the first actual, uh, Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. Thing that inspired uh, from the perspective of songwriting and lyric writing was the anime Armitage the Third uh, from 1995. So that was the first concrete, like a outside influence, like in a form uh, of a like in another art form that influenced me directly, and and it was actually the song Highway to Mars. It, like some kind of a first version of that song's chorus was that I was writing that was inspired by Armitage the third. And then, you know, months went by and a year went by. And then I thought, Hey, I definitely want to have this chorus expanded into a whole song and to tell the story of that first episode of Armitage the third. That's sick. Yeah. What, what do you, was it usually start with for you? I mean, I'm, you know, obviously guitar, but do you, do you ever like just mess around with the old synths and and get your inspiration? Yeah, yeah of course. You know, song, songwriting it doesn't have a strict method for me. It's a totally free 
approach kind of a zone. You can just take a stroll out in the city and then suddenly get inspired out of nothing. You hear something in your head and then when you come home, you can try it out uh, with other instruments. I can program them with my uh, computer. and Or I can just drive a car and the melody comes to my mind. Or I grab a guitar and noodle around and there's some melody comes up. For example, I was just playing some improvised solos uh, in 2018, yeah, I think it was early in 2018 or late 2017, can't remember exactly, but that, there was one part of the solo, I just realized, hey, what did I just play? That sounded like a melody, and that turned into the main melody of the previous album's opening track, the Cry Out for a Hero, like... So it was noodling with the guitar randomly then i picked up hey i played something nice and that whole thing expanded into a full song so it can happen like that as well or just i play chord progressions like chord progressions are more about the mood what kind of mood you want but sometimes it's the riffs like more straightforward aggressive like commanding riffs or the drum beats like different kind of drum loops that i go through myself and even beatbox I, I don't dare to do that like when people are around like, you know, <laughs> I know what you're about, yeah. kick drum and snare drum sounds with your mouth you can replicate those and the hi-hat sound and all of it. I do that even like, but hey Michael Jackson like he uses uh, these kind of percussive elements mm. uh, with, while he like does vocals like he doesn't just sing the lyrics; he does all this kind of weird, weird sounds. So it's it's part of being a mu- musician, I think. Just use any tools available, which help you in kind of executing the vision that you have at hand. Like if it helps to beatbox, and then just do it, and don't feel that oh, I cannot do that. That's awkward, but just whatever. But the mo- most important thing is the mind. You have to learn to uh, kind of gather the rhythms the melodies the chords all in your mind and already understand how it sounds before you even play it out with guitar or program it and that's really helpful for me and that's why i often take like strolls in the city just go walk around and like compose while walking and so and then i come home and just write it down like physically so i remember it better see it's, i always find my my ideas come when i'm driving or where i don't have my head, you know, and I've got to be yelling at Siri to open up the recorder, <laughs> you know, the, the sound recorder. I've the recorder. Open the... So I've got heaps of like samples in my phone where it's just traffic and me, yeah, beatbox noises and all this weird. Yeah. And then you go to show people and you just go, oh, I just can't do it. Eh? <laughs> you go, don't, don't yeah. pay attention to that. It's just the idea behind it, man. The idea behind it. But, um, <laughs> you know, funny talking about it as well. There's uh, the intro to the song to- uh, One Night in Tokyo. It actually, when it kicks in, it can be mistaken for like a 90s dance track, possibly. Yeah, I know. It's the, what was the artist? Pandora, Don't You Know. That's the song. I'm like, I'm very much aware of that. But what people are not aware of that, that, that riff when it starts... It was done already way before Pandora yes. by an artist named Koto. It's like kind of Italo disco artist. 
So the jokes on them will say that yeah. these like copying Pandora. Pandora is copying Koto. <laughs> it's, I was going to say it's copying, but it's definitely like a homage yeah. to that. Yeah, exactly. The copying is a like a bad word. It's paying yeah. like a tribute, homage, yes. as you said. And it's still uh, not 100% like uh, copy. There's like a second bar is already di- different. Like there's a different chord. Like I remember the chord progressions in the Pandora song. I had slightly different chord progressions. And then in the third and fourth bar, the melody already starts to be different, even though the rhythmical sequence is the same. But yeah, yeah. a few notes differ. And the same thing with Koto. There was like a, the rhythmical sequence is all the same throughout the four bars. But the chords slightly change and the selection of notes. But you can recognize the first bar is identical. All the three of us, Beast and Black, Pandora and Kodo, the first bar is like 100% the same. And it's just something when it comes to music, some rhythmical elements just resonate in us. And that is why we reuse them instinctively. Like there are many songs which I've realized that, wow, like breaking the law, if you really slow down that rhythm, Think about the kisses. Uh, I was made for loving you. Exactly the same, hundred percent the same. So there you go. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and then there's the other nineties. Uh, what was the song? Coco Jumbo. Oh. <laughs> Breaking the law and the Coco Jam Boys. The two first bars or one bar, however you want to measure it. 100% the same rhythm. Kind of that kind of the rhythmical things there, what happened, and the small uh, syncope, the backbeat notes, which are in exactly in that spot, it hits us as a, like listeners. And I've yeah, yeah, realized, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, there are some rhythms which are timeless. They just work. It just depends how well you treat the melody and the chord progressions and the drum beat behind it. And, you know, Kiss, Judas Priest, uh, Coco Jamba, what was the artist? Was it not, Cap- not Captain Jack, but something else? I can't remember. But if you think, what, what similarity, what connects, you know, Judas Priest and this 90s Eurodance band? Well, actually, you know, musicality. Music yeah. is a magical <laughs> language. If you really start to look at it, you realize they play with the same tools. They just use different instruments, different coloration in the production and like different vocals and stuff. But if you really break it down, the melodicness or how do you say it, and the rhythms, <laughs> we use the same elements regardless of the genre. And but I understand that usually people's reactions are like, it's always the easiest and the first, uh, like that comes to mind. Oh, Pandora, 90s song, don't you know? Be- Beast and Black is coping them. And that's it. That's how they usually go. But hey, man, it wasn't mine. It was just a generalization that I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah from I, it. I understand. Yeah. And it, it, it even doesn't matter if people feel that it's a, like a tribute or homage to that, if they still enjoy the Beast in Black version, regardless, that's even more important. That's and, right. Yeah, so but I don't mind. It's funny, though, that there's, you know, 
there's a lot of bands out there, especially metal dudes, who, you know, you know they listen to it, but they're afraid to dabble into that that stuff. You know what I mean? Like they it yeah. it takes a bit of bravery and a bit yeah. of fun and to, but you know these dudes, like they're drinking at the pub, they're at a party. As soon as they get a few drinks in them, they're like, woo, they love, they they froth it. You know you do, you guys. Don't don't deny it. Um, but you know what I mean? A lot of dudes are just, instead of drawing from it and being proud of those influences, they they kind of go, oh, no, nah, man, it's not brutal, you know? Yeah, it, 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 well, that, that mindset actually reminds, it's really close to, like, you know, this being a religious fanatic. I don't want to be too like harsh with this, but to me, I don't see any difference. Like if people are like, so like stuck with one way of thinking just because it has to be like this, but there's no actual like reason to be like that. It, you know, just open up a little bit. You realize that you actually like this thing here, but you just prevent yourself from liking it. And it's like no different from other like this. If a religion tells you to be this way and like this, then you're like this because of that, not because you instinctively would like to be this way. So metalheads, those who are so strict and like stiff with that kind of, I don't see any difference with that kind of mindset or any other, you know, be it like uh, feminism, veganism, or pure metalism, or Christianity and whatnot. You know, it's all about that that mindset is what all these people share yes and that's the thing that kind of should be uh they should kind of in my opinion realize and then they know that hey i'm actually not i'm actually more than just this kind of a person i can be this and it will be a a pleasant listening experience for them when they can give themselves a permission to enjoy that you know yeah Hey, it's true. It's true, though. I've seen many brutal dudes in, in black metal shirts just throw down to some uh, real trashy pop <laughs> when they get a few beers into them. It's true. It's Don't deny it, you guys. I've seen you do it. But um, you guys, you, you're hitting the road soon, too. Yeah. It's exciting, you know, considering what's happened. Yeah. I mean, we played only three shows last year, four shows this year so far. So November, December tour, we hope it happens, you know, be, still because of the pandemic, you, you don't know what news tomorrow will bring. But apart from that, our bigger plan is definitely to tour really massively with this album, like all around the world, at least for two years, maybe even three or four years. Uh, and definitely last uh, next year, not just Beast and Black, but I think all the bands will be able to tour more normally i'm feeling optimistic about it mm. we all want to like be optimistic in this because the world will uh like adapt and find solutions how to cope with this situation better and better as time goes on and and yeah then in that time while we do the tours everywhere in the world we'll obviously work on the next album as i said it's always a process that's in the back of the mind and think, thinking about the future of the concepts of the fourth album and i hope we can be active like 
super active next year and a few years from now on. And a very long overdue visit. Down here, bro. Yeah, we definitely want to come there um, to your neighborhood, so to speak. And um, <laughs> hopefully hopefully with some other band, you know, because whenever you go for the first time somewhere, usually it's a good idea to have a bigger band with you. With that band, you can actually introduce yourself to that band's audience and they become aware. And then the next time you can come probably as a headliner to smaller clubs yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. But, but let's see. I really hope that we can you know, squeeze everything out of this album. And like, well, it's a damn good album, my friend. That's thank for you sure. very much. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you like it. Thank you. Yeah, I've been really, I've been cranking it and enjoying it. I've been driving to work and listening to my headphones at work and just tuning out. And cool. yeah, yeah, man, I think I think it's gonna do really, really well. I mean, cons- well, I mean, look at look at the stats already. You know, two million views. Yeah, it, it, it's always kind of when the first singles are out, the kind of the, the hole where I've dug myself into, the burnout, uh, <laughs> I start to slowly crawl out of there when the first singles are out. And if they turn out to be like something that people really enjoy and something that becomes uh, successful, then I'm kind of feeling okay maybe i didn't fail totally (laughs) so that's the feeling after every album unfortunately i don't know any other way it's it's always like killing yourself torturing to the very end and crawling out of that pit where you got yourself into and yeah getting out of that little bunker and and having a look out for this for the light man but hey i mean you've got to be feeling good about it you know you've 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 put in the hard yards you're getting out of the lab and you're seeing the results now. It must be real rewarding for you. Yeah, it is re- rewarding, but I still don't want to listen to the album or like, <laughs> oh, I want to forget things that are done and go into the future. <laughs> I mean, to do. I, I, mean I, stand, I stand 100% behind every song, every line that I wrote there, 100%. But it's just when you have listened to the songs like tens of thousands of times in one year it's too much like some fans when they come and write to us like hey i've listened to the album like 50 times it it is a huge amount of times of listening to an album because i myself can relate to that when i was listening to you know judas priest and black sabbath and wasps albums back in the teenage years and early 20s and that was a big amount. But now that I work in this environment of creating music, you know, 50 times it's nothing. In one day, I listen to one song more than like 50 times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And in one year, you can only imagine. That's why I really don't want to go back to this album. <laughs> You're like, I've heard it, man. I know. It'd be like, a, you know, directing a movie or something. You yeah. know. I, I, I would enjoy it. I would listen to it if I would be like, fully happy with it or at least if i wouldn't be so aware of the biggest mistakes that i did there like from my point of view and i always just whenever i listen to the songs i'm aware only about the things that bother me not the things that are good in them <laughs> oh man hey we're we're our own worst enemies when it comes to that stuff creating yeah, yeah. people but hey man you got to be proud of it dude like you know 
the word's great, album's great, and now it's time to uh, get out there and uh, kick ass all over the globe, my friend. Yeah, we'll do the best we can, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for hanging out on the show again, bro. It's good to, well, it was good to see you this time. Well, likewise, likewise. Yeah, man. And uh, get your asses down here on a, on a plane that's going to take you a very long time to get here, but we'll shout you some beers. Man, that sounds super. <laughs> I can't wait. We'll can't have wait. the links. We'll have all the links down here. Uh, the album comes out this week. Brother, you take care. To, uh, all the best to the rest of the boys, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Cool. Hey, take care, and see you hopefully see you, there when we are there. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. See you, man. Bye-bye. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 